Um, does anyone know the group Yes Theory? Yeah, a few of you do, uh, young people. All right. um, my son, uh, Micah, introduced me to Yes Theory. They're a group, they're predominantly on YouTube. Um, and they're a group of young people that just take on these crazy sort of challenges. Um, here, I'll read you, this is, what, this is from their website. This is what they say about themselves. Yes Theory began in the summer of 2015 when Amar, Thomas, Darren and Matt were four strangers in their early 20s who bonded over the idea that life's greatest moments and deepest connections exist outside your comfort zone. We dropped everything we were doing and committed ourselves to this philosophy. Today, Yes Theory is a community of millions of people who act on the belief that self-discomfort, that seeking discomfort, is the gateway to a fulfilling life. And so if you look at uh, any of their stuff, they've got lots of videos and things on YouTube where these four guys will deliberately go and do crazy, uncomfortable things just to see what will happen. Um, they've done high-altitude skydiving. They've done extreme cold exposure. Um, I saw that there was a video where one of them went and lived in, uh, in, in Russia near Chernobyl, um, lived for 50 hours in the most radioactive place on Earth. Um, there was another guy, and uh, you've got to see the video. He's one of their guys. He's a tiny little skinny guy. And he went and lived for 24 hours in a sumo community in Japan with these sumo wrestlers, right? And for 24 hours, he had to eat everything they ate, these massive meals. He had to train with these sumos. And he just did this for 24 hours to, to see what would happen. But they don't just do it for themselves. Um, they actually will, um, will bring other people, usually random people, into these challenges as well. So they'll do this thing where they'll walk down the street, you know, they're equi the equivalent of Rundle Mall in whatever city they're in, and they'll just stop a stranger and they'll just say, would you come with us on a challenge? And they say, have you got a, have you got a passport? And they'll take someone, they'll take someone completely randomly and they'll drop them into a country that they've never been in for 24 hours with no money and no communication and just follow them around with a camera and see what happens. They did this one thing where they blindfolded someone, uh, put up a map of the world and said, throw a dart and we're going to send you wherever it lands. Oh They've invited people to skydive on the spot. Imagine that. How was your day at school, Mum? Well, I didn't go to school. Uh, I went skydiving instead. Uh, they just walked up to someone and said, would you want to go skydiving, but you have to go right now. And the person gets up from their table, leaves and goes skydiving. Lots of people say no to these things, by the way. They've, had, uh, they've convinced people, they've convinced people, you can understand that, they've convinced people to throw parties, to throw elaborate parties for other people that they don't know. <clears throat> yes, theories become super popular. Um, uh, as their website says, they've got millions of people following them uh, and sort of trying to live out this kind of philosophy. It's, it's totally crazy, um, but it's actually not new. 2,000 years before Yes Theory started their adventures, Jesus said this. He said, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. We're in a series that we're calling Seven Day Jesus. We're looking at what it means to live a seven day faith. And we've said from the outset that there's a, there's a huge difference between living a weekend kind of Christianity and living a seven-day faith. And we all know kind of what a weekend faith looks like. You, you come to church when it suits you and when you're free. Um, you believe in God and, and you might even 
Uh, you might even serve him or do something for him if it's convenient, if it sounds like fun, if, you're, if your friends are doing it with you. This series is about talking about the difference between that kind of faith and living for Jesus seven days a week and asking ourselves, how do we get from here to there? We talked about the foundation of a daily time with God, the, the foundational principle, the foundational lifestyle of being in the Bible, of reading the Bible and praying every day to connect with God every day. We talked about our life, a seven-day life that makes godly decisions seven days a week, that makes decisions day by day that line up with, that are driven by our belief in and our faith in God. Decisions about how we spend our time, how we spend our money, the things that we do, the things that we say. Last week, we, we talked about sharing our faith. We talked about this, this seven-day sort of what has always been for the church, this fundamental idea that our faith doesn't exist just for us. It's something that's intended to be shared. To talk to other people about the God who loves them and who wants a relationship with them. If you haven't heard any of the message, you can jump on YouTube or your favourite podcast app and listen. All the messages are on there. But a seven-day faith isn't easy. It comes at a cost. I mean, some days there are days when I don't want to get up early and read my Bible. I'd rather stay in bed. There are some decisions that I face where I kind of know what God would want me to do. I, I know the direction that my faith would take me. But to be honest, I'd, I'd rather take this decision over here. There are some times where sharing our faith, maybe lots of times where sharing our faith is not easy. Sometimes where it sometimes where it's sort of it almost might feel awkward. Sometimes when we do it and and people might not respond well to us. Might tell us to keep our thoughts to ourselves and you know stay in your own lane. And if you've ever felt any of that any of those sort of feelings around your faith, you're not alone. Jesus knew that following him would be like this. He, he knew it. He talked about it. Matthew remembers uh, Jesus telling his followers, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. But he, he just... He didn't just talk about the cost. He also talked about the benefit of that kind of life, the very next verse. He says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man, that's how he talked about himself, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels and he will reward each person according to what they have done. That's Matthew 16. He's saying there's a cost to following Jesus. Following Jesus means for all of us that we will have to give up some stuff. Following Jesus almost certainly means that we will have to endure some stuff. But Jesus says it's absolutely worth it. He says, I mean, after what would be the point of gaining the whole world? What would be the point of getting everything you want? The dream job, the dream partner, your perfect house, driving your dream car. What would be the point of all of that if you did all of that and you lost your soul? You lost what it is to be the real you on the inside. And he said there will come a point where Jesus will come back and he will, in his words, he will reward each person according to what they've done. 
That was Matthew, but if you read Mark and Luke, they, make the, they tell the same stories. They recount the same words of Jesus. When Luke tells it, he remembers uh, Jesus going on to, to tell another story where Jesus said, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have, have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying that person wasn't able to build, uh, wasn't a, that person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king's about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other's still a long way off and he will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. There's a cost to following Jesus. There's there's a cost to living a seven-day faith. And Jesus is saying, straight up, he's saying, you better consider the cost before you say yes. Don't start building a house if you haven't got enough money to finish it. You know, before you rush off to war, you better sit down and think about how you're going to win the battle. He's saying, don't enthusiastically say yes to Jesus if you're not prepared for the cost that it will mean to follow him. Because let's be honest, we live in a world that craves comfort, don't we? We live in a world that tells us that life ought to be easy, it ought to be comfortable, it ought to be quick, it ought to be fun. But Jesus says in John 18, my kingdom is not of this world. When we say yes to Jesus, we are born again. Paul talks about the idea that the old is gone and we become a new creation. We're born, uh, we're born into a new kingdom. We're born into a world that exists within this world. We talked about this last week when we talked about the idea of a new creation. The point Jesus is making is, if you're part of this world, stop living by the rules and the values of the other world. He describes it like this in Matthew chapter 7, where he says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Jesus is saying there's there's two paths through life, right? There's a really wide, obvious road, you know, like it's an eight lane highway. And most people get on that road. But in his word, it leads to destruction. But there's another path, there's another road through life, and it's narrow. It's much harder to see, it's harder to get on. It's a more difficult path, but that is the path that leads to life. Paul, who was a leader in the early church, he would write to the church in Rome and he would describe it like this. Uh, You might have heard these verses before from Romans chapter 12. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't be like everyone else that's around you. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's saying following Jesus is about living by a different set of values. Following Jesus, it's like it's it's living by a whole different set of rules. You might say it's marching to the beat of a different drum. 
And it's not, the, it's not the popular road. It's not the way that everyone else is going. It's not the easy road. It's costly. It requires sacrifice. You could say it requires us to seek discomfort. And I get it, this isn't the message that you want to hear in church, right? Some of you are thinking, we should have stayed home, I told you today. (laughs) And to be honest, people like me don't talk about this very much. Because people like me tend to want people like you to come back, right? People like me tend to want people like you to want to be here and to want to bring your friends. This is how this whole church thing works, right? And let's be honest, this is not a pitch that's going to win any marketing awards, is it, right? It's not a very attractive invitation, let's be honest. Come and follow me, but it's going to be tough and you're going to have to suffer. But friends, this is the invitation that Jesus made. It's as clear as anything, this is the invitation that Jesus made to people who wanted to follow him. And we can't talk about living a seven-day faith without talking about the cost. And this isn't about doing hard things for the sake of it, right? Jesus isn't saying run marathons and have cold showers and eat beans for a week. It's not that kind of, you know, just sort of pain for the sake of pain. Jesus is recognising that the world is going this way and the values of the kingdom are going this way. And when you say yes to Jesus, it it automatically puts you on a path that is at conflict with the direction that the world's going. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. When you choose Jesus, you're choosing a a more difficult, more costly path through life. So what does it look like in in all transparency? If I say yes to this, what am I in for? Well, some of the cost comes from just as a result of the daily sorts of decisions that we make. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. If we're going to read the Bible in the morning, it means that many of us are going to have to get out of bed that little bit early. right? For some of us, that's a cost. Making those daily decisions to follow God brings a cost with it, doesn't it? For some of us, it costs our time, it costs our money, costs our energy. We were just talking before the service and someone was saying, you know, I feel like God might be leading me in this way, but I don't have any time to do that. So if I'm going to say yes to that, I'm actually going to have to decide not to do something else in my life. You know, I'm actually going to have to decide to give up something if I want to follow this thing that I feel like God's, God's calling me to. There's that kind of cost. Choosing to be kind, choosing to be generous, choosing to forgive others, that's kind of got a cost to it, doesn't it? Standing up and sharing my faith can often have a cost. But there's another kind of cost too. A kind of cost that comes when we deliberately seek discomfort for God. You know, Jesus did a whole stack of things to deliberately put his followers in a place where they would be uncomfortable. He put them all in a boat and he took them from the Jewish side of the lake, right, their side with their people, and he deliberately went across the lake to what they called the Gentile side, right, to the enemy where no one ever went. He deliberately, they didn't get lost, he deliberately sailed over there to put his disciples in that place. 
He deliberately took them with him, took them with him when he talked with women about faith. Now, I know in our days, like, you know, there's guys here and there's girls here, and, you know, that did not happen in the days of Jesus. You just didn't do that. Jesus healed the servant of a centurion, of a Roman centurion, their absolute enemy, the people who had literally invaded them and taken over their land. He touched lepers. He had dinner with prostitutes and tax collectors and people that, that in that day, people said, you do not hang out with people like that. He deliberately put them in a place, places that would be uncomfortable and that would stretch their faith. So as well as the cost that just comes with making the sorts of decisions we do, there's a cost that comes when followers of Jesus choose to follow Jesus and almost deliberately put themselves in uncomfortable places or at least places that are uncomfortable for us. And for some of us, that might look like reaching out to connect with people who aren't like us. People who are particularly poor, homeless people, disabled people. People who don't have the same colour skin as us. People who don't have the same religious beliefs as us, the same political beliefs as us, the same social beliefs as us. Taking a risk to talk to someone who's not like you. Going somewhere unknown. Doing something that for you might feel awkward. We do this because Jesus did this. The early church did this for 2,000 years. Christians have been following Jesus deliberately into uncomfortable places for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the call of God on their lives. I mean, we're here in Australia because people, you know, people came here to share the gospel. You can't follow Jesus and stay in your comfort zone. Following Jesus requires us to step out of our comfort zone. It's like it requires us to seek discomfort. Can I be really practical for a sec? There's just one thing I want to talk about in this space. It's why talking to people here on a Sunday morning, those you don't know, is just so important. I mean, we say a church isn't a place you attend, it's a community you're a part of. And everyone who comes here wants to feel welcome. You know, it doesn't matter if you've been to another church before, if this is the first time you've ever been inside a church, and we've got people like that, where this is the very first church they've ever been into. People want to feel welcome, they want to feel like they belong, right? And our goal is to reach as many people as we can with the love of God. Right? Our goal is to share the message that there's a God who loves people and wants a relationship with them as widely as we possibly can. And for that to happen, when people come into this place, they have to feel at home. They have to feel welcome. They have to feel like people want them here, like people are interested in them. That's, without that, people aren't going to come back, right? As much as people like me would love to think that people are going to come back because I'm just so like, amazing that this teaching... That's, honestly, that's not the way it works, right? People come back because they stepped into this place and they felt like they're a great bunch of people. And some of you are nodding because some of you, that's why you're here, right? You came in and checked out and you're they're really, they're really neat people. 
They were friendly. And this isn't me. This is all of us. And honestly, some of us need to seek discomfort and talk to people we don't know. Because as the church gets bigger, the easiest thing to do is to just talk to the people that you know. You know, you've got those four or five, half dozen people or whatever that you know. Maybe they're friends here before or, you know, you've connected with them here. And the easiest thing is just to talk to those people. But we need to get out of those circles and meet new people and welcome others. Find out a little bit about them. Care for them, support them. Maybe even invite them home for lunch. There's a crazy idea. And I'm not just talking about adults here. I'm talking about our children and our young people too. In fact, it might even be more important for our children and our young people because, you know, when you're a teenager, like, it's even more important uh, to feel like you belong, to feel like this is an okay place to be and these people are cool. And trust me, no teenagers think I'm cool, right? So <laughs> you guys have got to do it. <clears throat> My teenage daughter's in the front row going, amen, Dad. That's <laughs> the truth. But let's be honest. This, this, this is one of the biggest reasons, isn't it, that people... Don't choose a seven-day faith that they're happy to settle with a weekend kind of Christianity. Because living a weekend kind of faith allows you to avoid this kind of discomfort, doesn't it? Because you don't have to worry about getting up early so that you can read the Bible and pray. You can just do whatever you want with your life, right? You don't have to worry about the cost that comes with making godly decisions because you can just live a life that says, I'm pretty much going to do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. You can avoid the kind of discomfort that Jesus calls his followers to embrace and to step into. And the truth is, you can choose to live that kind of life. We can all choose to live that life, you know, if that's the kind of life that we want to live. And, and you will avoid the kind of discomfort by living that sort of weekend Christianity. You will. But you'll also miss out on the joy. Jesus was clear about the cost, but he was also clear about the benefit, if you like. He talked about the joy of seeking discomfort and following him. You know, for lots of years, I've taken groups of people into Thailand, into poor communities in Thailand. And every time we take a group of people, there are people who are nervous and they're unsure because it's a different culture, it's a different climate, there are different kinds of foods. But you know what happens at the end of those trips? Every time at the end of those trips, people have an unspeakable kind of joy that they've discovered within them. Because they took that risk, they took that step to seek discomfort in their own life. Jesus talks about a peace. The, the language that he uses, he says, is, is, a, is, a peace, is a peace, not a peace as the world gives, Jesus says. It's a different kind of peace, not the kind of peace that comes. This isn't the kind of peace like I'm in my Ugg boots watching a movie uh, at home with a pile of good snacks. It's not that kind. It's something (laughs) deeper than that. And some of us know that, isn't it? There's a deeper kind of peace than that. It brings with it a kind of purpose, a kind of meaning and purpose in your life that, that you just won't find without Jesus. I mean, for 2,000 years, the, the, the story of the church, isn't it, has been people who have found profound meaning and purpose in following God. 
people who would say, my life was kind of drifting, you know, I had a job, I had my family, I was doing these things. And then when I began to follow God, wow, he just opened my life to this whole different kind of meaning and purpose. And I've got a, you know, for life that I never had without God. I think my favourite Yes Theory videos are where they invite a total stranger on an adventure. They'll walk up to someone in the street, they'll find someone in a, a, a sidewalk cafe and they'll say to them, and these people don't know who they are, you know, they're two or three or four, you know, random 20-something guys. They'll walk up to them with a camera and they'll say, hey, do you want to come with us on an adventure right now? Now, they always ask them this question, they say, do you have a passport? Do you have a passport you can, you know, get within the next hour? That's the only question. They, they won't tell you where you're going. They won't tell you what you're doing. They'll just, they'll just say to you, do you have a passport and do you want to come on an adventure? Do you know what most people say? No. no, of course they do. Like, that's the sensible answer, isn't it? That's the safe answer anyway. <laughs> like, who wants to get into a van with 320-something guys? But every so often, they find someone who says yes. And you can imagine what happens. They take them on these unbelievable adventures. People who thought they were going to work that day finish the day snorkeling in Fiji or somewhere. You know, people who thought they were going to school that day end up the day, you know, eating chicken satays on the streets of Bangkok or something, you know, just fantastic like that. And it kind of reminds me of the invitation of Jesus, isn't it? Because it's like Jesus stands before us and says, do you want to come with me on an adventure? And, and our natural instinct is to kind of go, well, where? When? How much is it going to cost? Give me the itinerary and the details and I'll consider it. But it's when we will risk saying yes to him. To follow him, even knowing that it's going to be uncomfortable, even knowing that at times it's going to be awkward, that it's going to cost us time and money and energy. That we might have to give up some of the other things that we've been used to kind of hanging on to. But it's an awesome adventure. You know, you get to the end of the day, the end of the week, you get to the end of your life. And you say, I wouldn't have swapped that for anything. I'm just so glad that I said yes. Because whatever I had planned, there's no way it was as good as this. That's the story of Christianity. Millions and millions and millions of people over thousands and thousands of years. That's their story. It will be costly. It will be challenging. Maybe even stressful. It will be awkward. It might even be painful. But it is the path to peace. It is the path to joy. It is the path to meaning and purpose. And ultimately... It's the path to eternal life. And the choice is ours. We can say yes to comfort, to our own way, to the way we want things. Or we can seek discomfort and say yes to a seven-day faith with Jesus and just find out where he's going to take us. Mm -hmm.